It is a great day. It's a Lord's day. Amen. We get to come and sing those great songs. I appreciate those songs, Derek. What a blessing it is to get to sing praises to the King. We are actually going to get to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 today. Can you believe it? We made it. <clears throat> we made it. I, I feel the excitement, man. We have made it to, hopefully, Lord willing, verse 13 today. I'm really excited about this lesson as I have been so excited about all of these lessons through 1 John because, uh, you know, they are so applicable for our lives today. We can take these truths, the things that John has written to those first century Christians, and we can look at our lives and see, man, we can apply this right now, and we can still uh, be if they can still be effective truths for us as we go through our daily walks. Uh, one of the greatest pictures pointed in the scriptures is the disciples of Jesus Christ, as we just sung, being called overcomers. The definition for an overcomer is one to overpower or prevail or to de defeat opposition. We see it talked about in the book of Revelation. We see it talked about in the book of Hebrews. Peter and Paul both talk about it. And we see John writing to these Christians in the first century as they're dealing with these false teachings that are creeping into the church. He is in encouraging them to remember that they are overcomers. And that they have victory in Jesus. Brethren, that is no different today. We as children of God are overcomers, conquerors in Christ Jesus. Don't you like that word, a conqueror? We are conquerors in Christ Jesus. But do we really believe that? What can we be encouraged by from this portion of Scripture as it applies to us being overcomers? Well, let's find out. If you would, read with me 1 John chapter 4, and I want to start in verse 20 and 21, and then we'll move into chapter 5. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. An overcomer doesn't consider the commandments of the Lord as heavy in weight. And think about that. John begins the chapter with a review of what he's been saying all throughout the letter. 
If we love God, then we will love our Christian brothers and sisters. And look at verse 2 with me one more time. He says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Verse 2 says it is impossible to truly love the children of God without loving God. Now think about this. Why in the world would we, or why in the world would you, deny yourself for the gain of somebody else unless we truly love the one who commanded it? Have you ever thought about that? If, Jesus, if you never knew the commandment of God, if you never knew to love somebody else, then it's all about me. Am I right about it? I mean, just be really honest with yourself because we struggle with that anyway. Even though we have the commandment, we still struggle with putting ourselves first. Why in the world would we deny ourselves for the gain of another unless we truly love the one who commands that type of action? Amen? To be in a relationship with God means that we love him. That's simple enough, right? But do we really? John describes how you can know it. How you can know it. How you can know if you love him, if you keep his commandments. Boy, we talk about that one all the time, though, don't we? We talk about it, and it's true. It's so true that if we love God, then we keep his commandments. But loving God is not just saying it. Loving God is not just saying that verse or thinking that verse. Loving God is not trying to find some type of experience or some type of emotion toward God. No, loving God, here it is. Plain and simple, loving God is doing what he says. That's it. How many people say that they love God, but they don't do what he says? We can't de declare ourselves to be Christians who love the Lord and then don't do exactly what he says. Matt, you're being so repetitive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely I am. And I'm going to probably be a little bit more repetitive. Because we have to understand what this means. We can say it all day long. We can think it all day long. We can say, you know, one time I did this. But if we really love God, it is a continual thing. I love God and watch how much I love him. Move out the way and watch what I do. Not because I need your approval. I just want you to know who I love. Because you're going to ask me, why do I do what I do? And I'm going to be able to tell you because I love Jesus. But see, it's not just obeying. It's how we obey. His commandments are not burdensome. 
They're not grievous to us. How do we feel about following the Lord's commands? And you have to answer this question and just please, if you want to grow spiritually today, answer this question right here. If you want to grow spiritually, if you don't get anything out of the lesson, see, I usually hold that one to the end. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you at the beginning so you can go ahead and check out after I ask you this. But just listen to this one. How do we feel about following the Lord's commands? Is it an honor? Is it a privilege? Or is it a burden? We can really tell how much we love him when we answer that question. If we feel like God's commands are heavy weight on us, man, I can't even hardly lift it up. Bothers me. Can you come help me lift this thing? (laughs) If we feel like God's commands are a heavy weight on us, then that should send off an immediate alarm right now. Or it should have already been sending off one, but right now in your seat you should have an alarm going off that you have a heart problem. You have a heart condition that needs to be addressed. You have a heart condition that needs to be addressed today. It shows that God's commands are a duty rather than out of love. It shows that what we're doing is out of an obligation because it has to get done to go to heaven, right? I mean, I got to obey God because I want to go to heaven. I mean, I got to do what he says because I want to go to heaven. But an overcomer, a conqueror, somebody who stands boldly Representing Jesus Christ is one who obeys with joy in their heart. One who wants to do it. One who wants to excel, Proverbs class. They enjoy doing as the Lord says. God loves us. And we're going to look at it today. He's proven it, hadn't he? How about us? Have we? Are we? An overcomer doesn't let the commandments of the Lord be heavy in weight on them. An overcomer walks in victory. Look at verses 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, or your faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Remember, John has spent a lot of time proving we are born of God, and he uses it in various ways uh, in this letter. And here again, John says that whoever is born of God is an overcomer, is a conqueror. But an overcomer of what exactly? Verse 4 says, for whatever is born of God overcomes 
the world. How is that? It's because of your faith. First John chapter one, verse seven, the Bible says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And this is the greatest part of this verse. If you haven't taken this verse to memory, please spend some time and do it repetitively until you can remember this verse. Because if we say that we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Our faith is victorious. Why is that, brethren? Because it wins. You ever played a ball game and, and the coach come in there and he said, all right, boys, I heard Mark and Luke are going to coach. Maybe this can be a speech y'all give before you get the players out there to Ben and Elijah. All right, Ben, all right, Elijah. We got a tough game coming up this week. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there and I want you to lose. I don't want you to give any effort. I want you to go out there and throw the ball out of bounds. And I want you to foul out, matter of fact. We would never say something like that, would we? What's the whole concept of the game? What's the whole concept of the illustration that Paul uses? We run the race so we can win. Our faith is victorious because we win. When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and I ask for forgiveness, I win. He cleanses me. Do you believe in that? What's the whole point of our faith? What's the whole point of believing in Christianity? What's this whole big deal about it? Because we recognize that we're sinners. We lost. We lost the game. But in enters the champ. An undefeated champ. The one who's never lost. And he says, you know what? I want you on my team. <laughs> Five-star recruit. You kidding me? They can't even star how many I got. And I want you on my team. Do we walk as conquerors? Do we walk victorious? Or do we walk with our heads down? Do we walk with our heads in shame? If we walk with our heads in shame, if we walk with our heads defeated, we have a heart problem. If anyone is in Christ, you remember last week, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new thing has become in front of everybody. I'm going to tell you what, brethren, and I gain momentum every single week, and I hope you do too. I am more proud to be a Christian than ever. How about you? I'm more proud to represent the name of Jesus than I ever have before. How about you? Do I have tough days? Yes. 
Am I anxious about things? Absolutely. Do I not know what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. But you know what? Faith is the victory. You ever heard that song, brethren? You remember singing that song? Listen to the last verse of it. To him who, that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall be given. Before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame will vanquish all the hosts of night. How you do it, brethren? In Jesus' conquering name. Do we walk in victory, brethren? Do we walk with our heads held high knowing that our leader is unstoppable? Or does it even matter? Or does it even matter? Verse 5 says exactly that. And it brings us into a discussion. I need you to think for a minute. We're going to get into some Bible things. We're going to get into some meaty things for just a second. And I want you to, to listen to this and watch what the Word does, and your life will be blessed. Verse 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Brethren, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. Wouldn't you say? An overcomer believes the testimony. Read with me. I'm going to read for just a little bit, and then we're going to get to the point, and the lesson will be yours. I want to read verses 6 through 13. And I want you to let the word just marinate in your minds as we read it. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. And he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his, of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now watch this blessing, brethren. The final section of this lesson 
this morning, John is going to explain what we've put our faith in. Jesus. What separates Christians from any other religion is what the foundation of our faith is built on. What is it built on, brethren? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. And who is it? Jesus Christ. The man. Verse 6 gives us this critical statement. And look at what it says. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Jesus came by water and blood. Now remember, remember who John is dealing with. Remember what John is fighting against. John is fighting against the Gnostic way of thinking which states this, that the Son of God came into Jesus, the man, when he was baptized. When the Holy Spirit ascended down on Jesus, that's when the Son of God entered Jesus, the man. And then when he went to the cross, the Son of God left. But is that true? So what is John doing? He's dealing with a heresy. He's dealing with a false doctrine. He's dealing with somebody saying that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. But we know that the Son of God came into the world at the birth of Jesus. Amen? And was the Son of God when he was baptized. And received divine approval from the Father. Amen? And was the Son of God when he shed his blood on the cross to redeem humanity. The Son of God experienced both water and blood. Verse 8 tells us this. And there are three that bear witness. Some translations take on earth out. Still doesn't change the rendering. And there are three that bear witness, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Now watch this one. <laughs> the spirit, the water, and the blood. Think about this. All three of these things agree. And what do they agree on? They prove that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, how do you know that? The Spirit testifies this. Look at John chapter 1, verse 32 through 34. The Bible says this, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. I did not know him, but who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The water testifies. When he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And alighting upon him. 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit testifies, the water testifies, and what does the blood do? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, fear came on them greatly. And what did they say? Truly, this was the Son of God. The proof is there. And how many more scriptures do we have to go to that Jesus from Nazareth was the Christ, the Son of God? Isaiah chapter 7 talks about the virgin giving birth. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew chapter 1, and I want to read this just for emphasis Matthew, uh, actually, chapter, give me just a second. Just a second. Chapter 1, verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Luke chapter 2. Sorry, Luke chapter 1. Verse 35. Actually, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. 1 John chapter 5 verse 9 says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. Verse 9 shows us the witness or the testimony of God is greater than any person. God Almighty has given his testimony about his son. The apostles have said it. John has repeatedly talked about it. Peter said that we were eyewitnesses to this. And now look at what's happening. If you're talking to somebody who is questioning whether what we believe is right or, or how could we follow this or why do we say that this is it? Because this verse right here, what a powerful understanding. 
It's not a man saying it. The Bible makes the proclamation that God Almighty says this is true. Man, if that's not true, what a blasphemous statement. The Bible elevates God saying, Jesus is my son. And look at what verse 11 says. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Nobody else gets that power. Nobody else has the ability to do that. None of these other religious groups that say that Jesus was not the son of God, that he wasn't the Messiah, that he wasn't the savior of the world, have any grounds to stand on. God has given anyone the ability to eternal life. But it's only accessible through Jesus, the Son. Brethren, do we believe that? To deny the life of Jesus, to deny his birth, to to deny the things that he did, To deny his baptism, to deny his death, to deny his resurrection is to be separated from God. If we don't believe it, then what we are saying is not Matt Miller's a liar. God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the great I am is a liar. And if we are not giving our lives completely for him and serving him, here's what we're doing. We're looking for another savior. And whatever idol that may be. John says the one who has the son has life. So here's the question. Are we overcomers? Is the commands of the Lord a heavy weight to us? Or is it something we take in our hand and say, you know what, Lord, whatever you have me to do, I'll do it. And I'm going to do it with all my might. And I'm going to do it with all my strength. And I'm going to do it because I'm happy. And I'm going to do it because I love you. And I want to show you how much I love you. Is our faith a victorious one? Are we holding our heads down, Christians? Hey, Lift your head up. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. I know it may be hard. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. But he's enough. He's enough. And do we understand who we really put our faith in. You know, these men could say it all day. But John, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. But he who does not believe God has made him a liar. 
John said it, and Paul said it as well, and I want to look at this as we close out. Yet in all these things, brethren, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Are you persuaded? Paul said, I'm persuaded. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, nothing, nothing. I love my wife, I love my kids, don't you? But they can't even separate me from the love of God, which was in and which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm going to say this, and I mean, I, I, I appreciate what James said last week about me getting emotional, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't do it because I'm trying to put on a show because I don't do good shows. I can't talk right. I can't say things right. I can't do none of it right. I'm not a professional speaker. I don't try to be. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus He let me in. I don't deserve that. Neither do you. I know some great people in here and none of y'all deserve it. Let's just talk real for a minute. But Jesus let you in. Now, if I love him, if I say that I love God, then the brethren should know it because I should be loving on them. People should know it because of the way that I'm excelling in my life, the way that I'm changing the way that I'm living, the way that I'm changing the way that I look at things on TV. I'm changing the way my attitude is toward my wife, towards my husband, towards my children. Because I love him. He that knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness in God. If that don't move you, I don't know what will. We serve a risen Savior who loves us and wants to care for us. Let's show him our appreciation by doing the same back to him, loving each other and obeying his commands, not as a burden, but out of joy. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. I appreciate all the visitors being here. I really do. Come back. Come be a part of what we've got going on here. What a great place to be. Maybe you're here today, though, and you're struggling and you need prayers. Hey, brethren, pray for me this week, will you? Pray for Joella. Pray for Aaron. Pray for my family. Pray for us. Pray for Isaac. I usually keep him straight, but sometimes he sways off on me. No. Libby keeps us all straight, so it don't matter. Pray for the congregation here. Pray for the elders. Pray for the deacons. And pray for each other. But if you need some comfort, if you need some uh, help with anything, 
please come forward and and we'll pray with you or, or, or see one of the elders later. If you're, if you're struggling in sin and you need to talk about it, if you're struggling with a situation, you need to repent, do it today before it's too late. But friend, if you are here and you can hear my voice, if you're here and you're not a Christian, don't miss the opportunity Don't miss the opportunity to be added to the greatest family ever, to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean. Jesus said, he who believes in me and what I did and why I did it, he who believes that and is saved and is baptized will be saved. Whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.